0: Over facts. And now, for a perpetual political protest in progress.
1: Judge my physical, mental, throat, my physical, as well as my mental,
0: throat, fitness.
1: Coffee time.
0: I don't know, the coffee's, uh, the coffee's fresh.
2: No. you need to change that to the <laughs> intro to it's where. It's really hot. Oh. Where Joe Biden says, I can, what is it, one word I can use to define Americans? Is that the recent one? And he goes, blah, blah. Come on. you ought got to refresh it. He he shows up enough with all these things. You can just change it weekly. Come on, man. (laughs) Come on, man. Come on, man. All right.
0: Well, welcome to the Ammo Can Coffee Social Club Conservative Hour of Power and Enlightenment Salon. I'm Jason Floyd, your host, along with Loretta Eaton. And her shiny self, uh, she's she's actually in a good mood. So we're all in for a good show today. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah you were a little dark last week. Oh, you,
2: you, you can only read so much politics without <laughs> wanting to bang your head on the wall.
0: <laughs> well, the bruises have started <laughs> they, to fade. They're
2: disappearing.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, well, welcome to the show today, folks. Uh, we have a, a great um, great show in store for you. Um, we want to welcome Don uh, Listen to the show. Don, welcome. You are calling us from where?
1: From Eagle River, up here on the mountain, looking toward Anchorage. Oh, that's oh I feel I
2: feel sorry for you. Yeah. it's a pretty view, but you actually have to realize it's Anchorage. Yeah, yeah,
0: you can you can see uh, <laughs> Moscow from where you live. It sounds like um, I can
2: see the windmills
1: that the sea bears that two to electric pay for. Oh um, gosh, from my house.
2: Oh, I am so sorry. <laughs> what a reminder.
0: Well, uh, you know, a lot of stuff has been going on. We're we're gonna get into into Don's story here in a little bit, but before we do, we're gonna we're gonna hit a couple of highlights, some things that I gleaned uh, from the news, and some of this might be a little bit of a repeat from last week for those of you who missed the show. But did you know that from 2021 to 2022, March 1st, 2021
2: to 2022,
0: okay, 700. And 69 professional athletes mm. have dropped from heart yeah. attacks. Yep. Yep. These are people in the prime of their lives, mm-hmm. at the top of their games.
2: Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and it, actually, they're starting to talk about it in Australia now. I, they, they, did you see the sports cast? They're allowing was in the
0: concentration camps?
2: It, no, it was actually a, a sports show, and they were watching an athlete collapse in front of them and they were talking about it which was totally amazing because i'm sure it's not allowed down there so, to talk about
0: it so factoid number two
2: mm.
0: okay there's been a 500 percent increase in heart attacks of european soccer players since last year oh yeah yeah 500 mm-hmm. percent Yep. You know, remember the commercials back in the 80s? It was like, uh, eat your Wheaties. Oh, yeah? You know, all the professional athletes. I think uh, Bruce Jenner yeah. was, was one of the first. So what would know? they do now? Yeah, it's like, I'm not eating those. I'm eating those. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever those athletes are eating, I, I'm. Yeah. I, it's probably the, the dietary and uh, nutritional... Um, ad revenue that they normally would be getting isn't working anymore because oh, yeah. they keep dropping dead, and people yeah. are like, ah, that's a bad endorsement. Mm. Look, that, guy, that guy's been eating Wheaties, and now he's dead.
2: Well, you notice none of them are advocating for vaccines anymore.
0: Isn't that strange? <laughs> <laughs> so another factoid, the average age of those who have been dropping uh, yeah. dead, 23 years yeah. old.
2: Yeah, so sad. 23.
0: So, so according to Paul Mango... Love that last name. Okay. Mango. Uh, he was the former deputy director of DHSS, the Department of Health and Social Services, mm-hmm. under the Trump administration. There is still 300 to $400 billion, with a B, yeah. billion dollars in federal COVID relief funds
2: that is still unallocated. Or has not been released. So, what does he think is going to happen to it? Or he didn't didn't have a comment. Or so
0: so this was made in reference to Biden's recent sort of mm-hmm. uh, maneuvers to get more funds. Okay. More yeah. more relief yeah. because yeah. we need more money. That's that's the answer to the big problems that oh. we have. Is if we just could print more money. You know, but the thirty to the three hundred to four hundred billion, billion sitting dollars there, it's that's not just enough. sitting in yeah. these slush funds. Yeah. You know, waiting for who knows what. You know, until well, the, the opportune of, yeah. time for somebody to fly yeah. to maybe Switzerland. the
2: City of Kenai could apply, and then they could really. They um, could finish their they, bluff project. They could project. finish their bluff project. Yeah, that's right. I mean, three hundred billion would easily do it. <laughs> yeah. You know, Easily. I yeah. mean, they could inflate know, that project. I, I
0: know they could come up. They could. They. You know what they could do? <laughs> they could maneuver themselves in their, in their budget and work with their accountants and move yeah, some numbers massage around. It. M- massage, massage it. They, they, so you guide me. They could massage yeah. it just enough yeah. that they could maybe make federal relief monies look like local match, so that they mm-hmm. could then apply for more federal money. Yeah, because. To do the Bluff Project, they need to have a local match. Yeah, but they still wouldn't the federal- have enough.
2: They still wouldn't have enough money to do the oh, Bluff wait, wait, Project.
0: Wait, that's what they did. Oh, right.
2: Well, they're still not doing the Bluff Project, though. Isn't that curious? Yeah, but they've allocated the funds. So, hmm. Hmm.
0: oh, I read in the uh, in the in local news uh, last week that uh, the Kenai Police Department is now really upset because uh, they're running out of money for gas in their patrol cars. Mm-hmm. With, the, with the increased cost of gas, their budget just won't cover it. Wow. Now, now, I do remember that those COVID relief funds were actually committed to the Public Safety Department and supplanted the city's allocated budget that they collected from property taxes and sales taxes for... The purpose of funding the public safety department. But that was for the
2: Bluff Project.
0: And moved that into the Bluff Project. Was, and now they're yeah, crying yeah, because yeah. oh we don't have enough yeah. money for our gas. Well, that was for the Bluff Project. You know, now yeah. I know it's not the rank and file officers on the streets, not the to, to besmirch them. No, but, no, it's not they, they, they the, don't do the budget. The the, the the administrators who they're overseers. City manager? Does uh, he have something to do with it? Maybe the mayor. The mayor? mayor? The mayor, the, the city council, the you know, we know some city council members. Maybe yeah, but we I, should you, ask them so what they're going to do.
2: Does the city manager actually maybe has more day-to-day control? Than I don't know. He
0: uh he's working for the hospital as well. So, he might he might be a, a Oh, you, busy. you saw
2: the hospital hired a new um Rick Davis is out? Well, I heard and he was they've a heard new he was out.
0: Did did They've hired leave, a new person. Did he leave town with his military escort?
2: No, oh, I don't know. I don't I don't think so, but the uh they hired a new person. It was like this one-line little one-line blurb, and then it disappeared.
0: <laughs> Interesting. You know? So uh, you don't have any intrigue like this in Eagle River, do you, Don?
2: Uh, I'm sure none whatsoever. <laughs>
0: no,
1: Eagle River is is um, uh, just a, a little bastion of conservative um, thinking people, mostly, and uh, we're attached to Anchorage. Uh, because we have to be, you know, we have MTA, we have a lot of reasons why we aren't really part of Anchorage, but we, uh, we seem to keep having to deal with Anchorage. And, um, our two assembly members usually are outvoted, uh, 11, uh, 10 to 2. But, but, the um, to get back to one other thing, I've, um, I've written, I think, a half, half dozen to a dozen stories on the effort to, Uh, extract Eagle River from the Anchorage
2: Municipality, and that would be on my blog. So, sorry to interrupt, are you part of the Anchorage School District, too? Is that eagle river is yes. yeah yeah. Oh, yeah well congratulations yes. on your new super school superintendent yeah, we, hire
0: we we congratulations we are totally totally so, impressed with so how inclusive happy.
2: the diversity yep. and the inclusion that's going to show up good on you
0: look at me loretta i'm actually growing <laughs> fuzzy yeah by the moment i'm feeling so warm so
2: warm yeah this yeah. is just so great i'm so sorry
0: did you did you notice the uh, racial transformation? Yeah, of of your your new superintendent. If you look look back uh, historically at photos of him, he do he, research. It's he interesting. He started out life looking pretty. Uh, would you say maybe Germanic? Caucasian? Yeah, very, very, maybe, very, very yeah. so. Very yeah, so, yeah. yeah and
2: yeah. even his name is um, Bryant, is n- Bryant. B- with two T's. B R Y A N T T is his last name. It's a good
0: uh, Spanish or Portuguese name. No, no, no.
2: Yeah, double T on the first name, too. J H Jarrett, J H A R R E T T. But you compare photographs between, go back about four years and look. He did stuff for the Khan Academy and look at him, the one that was published in the uh, paper. He's very, very much made himself very much minority more looking.
0: Hmm. And a, do you
2: think I could pull that off? I don't know. I don't know. If I tried what would to, I try would, to be though? I, I would
0: probably just turn <laughs> orange. <laughs> if I tried to do it, I would look more and more like Trump every day. Uh, the, the more I tried to tan, yeah, the, the worse I would become. Yeah. So anyway, well, uh, so yeah, some interesting information well, uh, that, from that, Paul Mango, yeah. you know, and he's talking about all of the the tremendous amount of fraud that uh, we all knew was happening, but uh, especially in the PPP program. But that was uh, some interesting information I ran across today. Also. Poison,
2: poison in your noses. Okay, do we want to go there? So, for all of you, why, getting, why do you just why why don't you let me preview these things? <laughs> <laughs> I'm well, not sure. well,
0: you know, I mean, I mean, we we are also grateful for our our nation protecting us from the dreaded uh, scourge of COVID. That okay, that you know, um, uh, we all felt the need to uh, to. You know, demand that the federal government give us as many uh, at home testing kits as we could possibly shove up our noses. Okay. And, and now um, they've discovered. Now they've discovered that the stuff, particularly coming out of China. Oh, gosh. Has, has a, a clear liquid in the vial that you. you yeah. You know, you, I don't know if you've ever administered one of these things. I, I had to do this when I drove through Canada, had to okay. administer my own nose swab. Oh, gosh. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't pleasant. While I was being surveilled on the phone by a public health nurse who refused to show me their face, but they got to look through my the, camera at so, my face. Think
2: about this. On the, the side of the road
0: in the middle of the Yukon. Think
2: about what they've gotten us to do. Would, would, would you have stripped? You know, she would have said, I, I, I need to see other parts. Uh, how how far would you have gone? No. How far would you have gone? Well, if, Take if, it, your was, shirt off, if it was between me having <laughs>
0: to stay in Canada a moment longer, <laughs> you would. I probably I probably would have stripped to my underwear, driven naked. At that naked point, at that point the- yes, yes, yeah, yeah we, It would have made the checkpoint uh, trip a lot Very faster. See, I'm not carrying anything. Shorter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Go ahead and search me. <laughs>
2: Oh, I'm so sorry. These people are ludicrous. They're just ridiculous. Yeah, yeah,
0: but uh, this is coming out of the Midwest. Uh, uh, They 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 have discovered that the same nasty stuff that's in your airbags Uh that's bad for you um, is also in this colorless, odorless uh, liquid that you have to use when you're uh, poking yourself up around that you know Mm blood-brain membrane, whatever barrier, Um, you know. There's a reason why people snort cocaine, you know. <laughs> I guess. Because I, it's I, a very quick delivery method for a high. Oh, you're saying, the, so, the delivery so, method. Okay, So if yeah. they, you know, I mean, pretty much anything you want to get into your bloodstream and into you your brain. It, if you
2: inhale if you inhale
0: it is. If you shove it up in your sinuses, <laughs> you know, you, you consider it delivered. Okay. You know, um, so that was, and, and then finally, um, two other things. I don't know if you've seen this this, this week, but... Um, I just uh, lost my sound. Anyway, um, the uh, Shanghai, 200 million people in lockdown. Did you see this?
2: I, I, saw the, um, I saw them killing dogs in the street and loading them into wagons, some of them still twitching. So, yeah, I saw that part of the thing. I saw them, the people screaming out their windows at night. I saw the little doggy. Um, uh, I saw the drone flying around, telling everybody essentially, "Shut up and oh, oh, stay did, in your thing." Did, did you? Did and I you, saw the little doggy robot. Did you? So did
0: you hear the? Um, did you hear the the actual translation well, yeah, of the message? I, I,
2: yeah, I, I don't remember. It was so. It was something like, "Give up your dreams of." what was it you sound like you know it better than i do yeah it, it was it was
0: don't give in to
2: yeah your
0: uh uh soul's desire yeah. for freedom
2: for, for freedom stay in or something <laughs> you know but the, the them killing the dogs in the street were the ones that Oh, but but stop me! Because these are people's pets.
0: The reason why they were killing those dogs on the street was they were killing the animals of the people who Mm, they took. No, that's what I mean. Yeah, Yeah. this is not strays. No, they they took these people to concentration camps, internment camps, and then killed their animals.
2: And even the way they were doing it, it, this is not. We're not talking about like, you know, the whole the whole PETA people come and they do anal exams of. People have anything to do with the Iditarod, you know, and are concerned about all kinds of stuff. The
0: mushers don't get any old exams.
2: No, well, no, that's a metaphorical. That might thing, that so.
0: that might narrow the field. <laughs> but,
2: <laughs> but now no, we're the, back the, to strip the, searches yeah, in yeah. Canada. But they were they were killing these dogs with uh, choking them to death, beating them with clubs, and there was a guy that had a wagon with about four dogs, and two of them were still twitching. Uh-huh. You know, and I've i I've had dogs that I've had to euthanize and Well in some places in the world this is that's just, dinner.
0: So well, you know,
2: China, but
0: and, it, and it, if you're locked it, in your house yeah. for weeks on end and they won't let you shop, you but know, but it tells Fido you something may it, become
2: yeah. but it tells you something about these people and, and their respect for life and and Well let's talk about the populace itself. Two hundred million. Two hundred million yeah. people yeah.
0: forcibly isolated in their homes. Yeah. Not fed. Not allowed to go get food. Elders dying alone because mm-hmm. nobody
2: can check on them. Mm-hmm. And um, well, why do you think they all want us? Why do you think they want the gas price to skyrocket? If the more you can keep people in small, in in large concentrated groups and areas, you can control them. I do not see rioting in Shanghai yet because. All you got to do is well, put they don't somebody want to,
0: they don't want to get a they don't want to have a tank drive over them and the, smush them. No,
2: but all you got to do is put somebody at the entrance and extra with a big gun. Right. That's really think about isn't it. That, you put them in a 40, 50, 60 story building and you just put somebody at the front and back door.
0: Isn't that what With a gun. They kind of did in in Australia. They just, you know, roll up on you with guns drawn. Yeah, and, they had a little more trouble oh, cuz people they, they were they living they took their guns away yeah, from them first. They took yeah. Yeah. All right, so that's the highlights for this week. Uh, um, now you
2: may be depressed again. <laughs>
0: oh, oh! There, there was one more thing I wanted to mention. The Please Epo- let it be happy. The Epic Times. If you don't read the Epic Times, you should read the Epic Times. Okay. And I actually have an old school, um, I, an actual one, a newspaper uh-huh. that's delivered here. And um, if you'd like to read the Epic Times and you can't, for some reason, pay for the very affordable subscription online, uh, you can come down to the coffee shop and read that. But Front page, and this was dated April 6th through 12th, because they do it a week at a time. Um, NIH admits it suppressed genetic data from China's Wuhan lab.
2: Oh, so the, the, the story is admitting that it came? Oh, yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah and, oh, well. and if you read the story, it talks about the researcher from Wuhan asking to pull down the data. Because they had updated data uh-huh. that they had posted to a different website. Oh gosh! And uh, and then uh, it goes on to talk a little bit more about Freedom of Information <laughs> Act requests and and you know the shenanigans at the NIH, uh, the runaround that they gave the people from this country who wanted to actually see
2: that funding that, that data that we're f- funding. Oh, you mean the ones the the, the, the group that called everybody that had a question or a query? Stupid. Right. Or right. paranoid?
0: Yeah. Or you don't know what you're talking you, about? You might in, misinterpret the or information. Or
2: you don't have enough doctorates to to read this. Right. Or you're just a real person that works with people, so you don't understand what's going on. You're a real doctor that. Okay. okay. So, so,
0: anyway, you know, uh, election season is in full oh, swing. Good heavens. And it's time to become afraid again. It's time for the masks to come back out. It's time for us to isolate. It's time for us to uh, be afraid, um, you know, and uh, and and it's time for us to give the government full uh, credit and uh, uh, ability to spend all of our money.
2: But that just you know, who's deciding this? It kind of fits in with what you know. Uh, Don is his his article that I read, you know, about we're being led by bureaucrats that really don't have. I I find a lot of them don't have any knowledge behind what they're they're just bureaucrats. A bureaucrat is a is a is an animal, a different kind of animal.
0: So so Don, um I I first met you last <laughs> week. Uh you came in with a group of folks who were seeking refreshment before heading back up the road. Now can you tell us a little bit about why you were in Kenai last week?
1: Well, Kenai is now the the epicenter of an effort. To <laughs> To get Alaskans to do what Alaskans must do, and that is take back our state. We we have watched our state um become rich beyond all our imaginations, and we've watched people come here for the wrong reasons and infiltrate all of our institutions, and we now have a government that um is is looking to be um uh, self-sufficient and be able to live off the the bounty <clears throat> that belongs to the people. And so, um, the effort to try and get justice within the Alaska Supreme, within the Alaska court system uh, really resides in the possibilities um, through the um, um, uh, man, I'm losing my and thought I'm sorry, through the um, grand jury, and the grand jury is a vehicle put in there by the con- in the Constitution to allow Alaskans, regular Alaskans, to to challenge corruption, misrepresentation, and other things that are becoming all too easy to do because we've all been uh, distracted by all the um, Crazy world that we've had since uh, 1977 when the first oil tanker left Valdez. So, my story is about um, the people who have decided they've had enough and <clears throat> they're, they're bold enough to go and actually picket the Kenai courthouse and um, ask for the opportunity to have a grand jury um, check their grievances. And of course, um, the grand jury booklet that they, they built, um, initially has been diluted to the point where the bureaucrats think that they're, they are the state of Alaska. And, and we the people go and say, wait a minute, here it says in the, in the constitution that we have a right to redress our grievances through the grand jury. And they say, oh no, you can't even go into the grand jury room. We got a place for you out there and you better be good or we'll call the police and have you all rounded up.
2: But doesn't I mean, that just the, doesn't that just you know, confirm you know, your your position that we've been taken over by bureaucrats? That that because that that, you know, revision of a booklet is not done by the governor. The governor doesn't revise the booklet. Yeah. Some person in a little room hears something and says, gee, this would make it easier.
0: Well, here's, And here's, whether they
2: even need approval to do it. We don't know because we've handed over control of absolutely everything to these people. And we've said, okay, just, you know, I just want to go on make my vacation and uh, once and our, a year.
0: Our, our governor seems to be the, the commander in chief of, of the handing over of control because ultimately the governor has been made aware of this. And, you know, we interviewed uh, David Haig uh, who has been kind of a catalyst in the local movement yeah. here uh, bring raising awareness and, and bringing attention to this issue and you know he reached out directly to the governor into yeah. the governor's office and and was met by crickets so who knows if yeah. his if his statements even ever made it to the governor's desk but I think that that begs the question you know yeah. um, now in your article uh, you talk about the the growth of, of government, government and yeah. I don't have the I'd have to open my phone back up to look at it, but um, what percentage of those working uh, in the state of Alaska are employed in, a, in some form or function by the government today? Did, do you recall from, from the article?
2: Over one-third.
0: Over one-third. One
2: third. Now, is that all levels of government? Is that uh, state, federal, borough? Um, yeah Okay, so 33% approximately.
0: Right.
1: So, when we were first talking, you were saying that maybe I should give a little background on myself. Yeah. And this might be a good place to do that. I, um, I, um, my parents came to Anchorage in 1962, and, um, I delivered the daily news along Fourth Avenue, along Merrill Field, and I basically was kind of raised myself. Uh, um, uh, and, and as I, um, came along, I began to write a lot and I wrote letters to the editor and that be- ultimately I became a reporter for the daily news in the mid seventies during pipeline construction. And I also got my bachelor's degree. And then um, I started my own business in 1977 and that was a publishing and public relations business. And I worked on a number of political campaigns and I was involved in politics in different ways. And um, ultimately I sold that business after six years to go to Juno. Work as a legislative aide, and um, uh, instead of going there hat in hand looking for a place to live, I bought a boat, a sailboat, and I on a trailer, and I drove it down there, and I lived on that boat for five years in in the harbors around Juno, and and I got a front row seat on what's going on in Juno. I lived there for twenty years, <laughs> and and if, unless you really understand what's going on in Juneau, it's hard to hard to get your arms around how is being circumvented at, at such a deep level. Um, Juneau is um, a suburb of Seattle. And, and um, when people in Juneau want to go on vacation, they don't go to Anchorage or Matsu or Fairbanks. They go to Seattle or Portland. Um, the, the whole environment in, in Juneau is a government town, and they get a piece of every, every dollar that goes through. And so we've got this this entitlement class that's there. It's one of the richest per capital cities on the west coast. And 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 we have lots of attorneys and we have lots of people that are all deep into this situation. And as I watched it all I I saw what what an alien place it is to what the rest of the state's be really about. And so I ended up coming back to I, I got my teaching certificate in 2003 and I came back to Anchorage and I tried to get a job in the Anchorage school district, but that wasn't possible. Carol Comer knew me already. So, and that's because what I did in Juneau after working in the legislature is I worked two years for the association of Alaska school boards. And that was in the early eighties when our goal was to try and keep costs down and, and um, academic outcomes up. So I worked for the lady that went around the state and negotiated toe-to-toe with all the local NEA affiliates and um, trying to keep the, the costs down. Um, and um, so we kept a database, and we kept all the information and on all the benefits and salaries and all that stuff. Well, um, that job, uh, I, I left that job when the executive director left, and I went to work for NEA, the teachers' union. And I worked for NEA for nine years in Juneau, and NEA's primary mission is to make sure that they get as many dollars as they can squeeze out of the state. They milk it like a cow, you, you and mean, that was part of my job.
0: You mean it, was it's to, it's not it's not uh, the quality of education and um, better better test scores all. for our kids and.
2: But what you're, you what no, you're talking about you know, is actually is a, a writer. He's passed away now, but he wrote something called The Iron Law of Bureaucracy. And this is almost 30 years old. And what it is, you know, and, and see, it's I find it interesting because what you're describing is how bureaucrats run around the world. This is not unique to Juno. And I think no. it, it, his Iron Law of Bureaucracy is... Uh, in any bureaucratic organization, there will be two kinds of people, those who work to further the goals of the organization and those who work for the organization itself. Examples in education would be teachers who work and sacrifice to teach children versus union representatives who work to protect, uh, who work and, uh, to protect any teacher, including the most incompetent. And right. it also says, in most cases, the iron law also states that in all cases, the second type of person will gain control of the organization. And that's what we're seeing. We're seeing, so you've, you know, you've got given examples. And, you know, the, the guy calls it the iron law of bureaucracy. It's just an observation he made. It's not a law written anywhere. But, you know, this is, this is, I think, 1970-something is where this comes from. So for 50 years, we've been watching this, and yet... Alaska follows that path and so you know how do you get out of it how do you get out of it because you can do that with the oil and gas industry you can do that with the I've got an article here that talks about the Alaska Food Policy Council which is going to be the new big thing next because it's all about sustainability it's an organization in Alaska just waiting to explode it just needs a couple more tens of thousands of dollars and uh, some more bureaucrats so we're still doing we, it.
0: We need to have like a, a 20 to 24 member uh, special commission uh, to study <laughs> the, uh, ag- uh, the viability of agriculture in, in this. Uh,
2: no, they've already done it. I've got 15 it, pages of, of reports but, and things does, that they've done but, here. But does it talk about equity? In agriculture. Uh, The new ones are the right, newest right. ones. It goes back to 2012. This organization started.
0: And food deserts. Uh, that was know, that's that's was, passe. Yeah, that's yeah, old. Right, Those right. are old. The but food see, deserts but see, are this, done. This this has been coming down the the pipeline a long oh. time. It's been this has been headed our direction and all of it. You know, I I look to my friends and neighbors in the conservative community. And I want to very pleasantly, in a friendly manner, grab them by their lapels and shake Shake them viciously. And scream, wake up! You are losing your freedoms.
2: But how do you do it when you've got teachers? One of the dirty secrets about the Alaska budget that nobody talks about—that if you actually can get them to talk to you—it's the the liabilities that they've contracted for that are the biggest part of the budget, and that's the teachers' pensions, government, any Alaskan government employee pension and medical care. That's the biggest part of the budget, but no one wants to talk about it because. Our brothers, our sisters, our cousins, our mothers, our well, grandparents. It's
0: thirty-three percent of us.
2: It, well, it, you know, but it, it consumes more than thirty-three percent of the budget. Right, right. It consumes <laughs> more than you know, and and nobody wants to give up their, you know, no one wants to give up their, um, their, piece of, the their pie. piece of the pie. And I, I get that, <laughs> but. You know, you talk about it in your article where you said, you know, in order to recruit and they're doing it again, they've got a new program where we can't get enough good teachers. So we have to raise their benefits. Have you seen this one? This is just. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. See,
1: 8000 teachers in the state of Alaska and we have a flush flushes like a toilet every every year between two and four thousand of them. We um, have to be replaced. Um, The whole thing is a scam. We, we, they come to Alaska on their Alaskan adventure and we pay them top dollar and the Alaska legislature doesn't pass the, the budget until NEA has approved the education budget. The two biggest, the two biggest institutions in our state are the department of health and social services and the department of education. It's totally wired. Yeah.
0: Well, let's, let's talk real briefly. Uh, Loretta brought something up. You had been doing some research and, and found some, uh, I know you not necessarily have it here, but the financial information. Let's let's talk a little bit about the connection between co- uh, consultants who are elected officials and their reported income from consulting fees.
2: Well, it just seems that the, the, the government, this the, and it, it's more egregious in Alaska than anywhere else because we're such a small state and you know a lot of these people and you see the names. But it seems to me, and you can verify this or say I'm wrong, but a lot of these government jobs just are a pipeline into consultancies. And the higher up you get and and the uh, Anchorage newspaper Published an article in which they looked at the tax returns of the politicians, the senators, and representatives. And there's three or four of them that are getting hundred thousand dollar a year to be consultants for like mining companies or mining organizations. And one of them is a fishing one. And I'll bring that information next week. I
0: but these are didn't. these are these are seated senators. Oh, yeah, and, because and they, they it was their, it was
2: their tax returns. Twenty twenty one tax returns. He just looked at them.
0: And and they're the same people that are sitting in Juno.
2: Making decisions,
0: voting on, yeah, right, yeah, making decisions on, on legislation that's yeah. going to directly yeah. impact,
2: yeah,
0: yeah. So, yeah. so tell us a little bit about your uh, your platform, uh, Don. Uh, I know that uh, in our brief conversation, you were you were kind of headed out the door, but um, uh, how long have you been writing? Tell us about your blog where we can find more information mm-hmm. about the stories you're writing and and a little bit of background.
1: Well, I've been doing this blog since uh, May of 2013. Before that, I mean 2019. Mm. Uh, before okay. that, I was writing for this Eagle River um, publication called The Echo. And um, I've, uh, I moved it into this blog. I had a guy set it all up for me and everything. And um, I didn't know if I could do it. I didn't know if I could crank out enough stories to make it work. What I've been able to do is I... Write it. I'm doing pretty much a story a week. So I miss a few weeks, and um, uh, each of my stories is a 1,500 to 2,500 words, and I write them at about eighth grade level because I want people that graduated from Alaska public education to be able to read them. <laughs> oh, I'm so okay. <laughs> I think you set the bar a little there bit you too go. high. <laughs> it's a little too high. <laughs> As a certified teacher, I, I've, I've worked with a lot of adults. I worked in adult basic education and my class size was a hundred people and I worked year round oh, and my went from working from not being able to support their families to being able to get on a career ladder and go someplace with their lives. So I, I looked at what's happened the last the public education graduates about 75% of the people that started kindergarten and the rest are just cast off and they have to figure out what to do. And many of those people are really um, more adaptable to Alaska lifestyle and Alaska economy and doing important things for Alaska than people that graduate and go off to college and stay someplace else. So I've got a pretty strong opinion about educational things because I've been in the middle of it um, through all this time. After working for NEA Alaska, I became a teacher, and I saw the other side of it. The most vile place in any school is the teacher's lounge. <laughs> that's where that's, all the crap gets stirred up and all the, all the idiots, uh, try to impose their will on other people. I was there many times and I stood my ground and I still stand my ground. So the reality is Alaskans have to stand our, our ground and we have to begin to make things go. And so as I've b- built this platform, starting out doing stories kind of about What's going on? The theme is Alaska through my eyes, and I've known every governor to some degree, and I've worked in the legislature on two occasions, and living in Juneau and then looking at the rest of the state, my goal is to elevate the discussion about what we really have to do. Mm-hmm. And, um, I've done, I've, I have themes, I have Alaska food security, um, Eagle exit, uh, was a big theme for a while, um, and, and, I'm developing a theme now about state of Alaska and particularly our court system, which somehow runs on its own steam and, and just kind of creates victims out of, out of people that are going there trying to get um, some kind of justice. And, and I'm seeing that more and more. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm putting it out there and knowing that I'm running some risk because if I end up in front of a judge, they might say, Yeah, I've read your stories. So that's kind of my, my theme. I all of my stories. I've never had anybody challenge any of my stories, although they may not agree with them. Um on, based on facts. I do copious research and my stories are based on facts and based on what I've personally seen through my
0: own eyes. Well you know, that that was something, Don, that I was in that was uh that was impressed upon me when i read your article was the the depth of uh information that you had attached in a bibliography so many times we hear Mm -hmm. uh you know talking heads and and um and folks that will make these assertions or statements but they don't give you the bibliography they don't they don't tell you where they pulled their information where the facts came from you know, um, for all we know, they came from Z- Zuckerberg's, you know, <laughs> Bangladeshi yeah, yeah. fact checkers. Fact checkers.
2: Uh, I, need to get
0: a, I need to get a little sound clip of Bangladeshi the, fact checker, that, checkers saying that.
2: I'm sure you'll find one. That is not true. <laughs> <fun. laughs> but. Um, so the other thing,
1: oops, sorry.
2: Go
0: ahead.
1: Yeah, the other thing I've done is I've gone and um, I've interviewed local businesses here in Eagle River, probably about eight or ten of them. And I write a story about their business. And um, we have some really unique people that have started businesses, very interesting businesses. And then um, um, when I post the story, you can see on the analytics uh, how many people are hitting it. And then you can see as it tapers off. And then I go back to them and I say, hey, uh, your story did really well, but it's starting to, to lag a little bit now. How about buying an ad? And then I have an ad read for them to... See and if they see the ad, I prepare. They often say, "Yeah, I'll I'll do that." So then I I put their ad in with a link to the story that was written, and uh, analytics go back up, and and it's creating a, a buzz and and my um web my my page, which was hacked in um, February by somebody who's trying to shut me up, um, but now it has been um, promoted into a um into a WordPress word, word, uh, 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 web page. So uh, it's all secure now. It's going to be stronger than ever. And I'm really looking forward to, to making that work. And um, writing that stories is really uh, refreshing to see people with a dream of a business, how they put the business together, what they did, what the business is doing now, and, and then um, have that story be able to be read again and again and again. Uh, over
0: a month later. Well, you know, one of the, one of the encouraging things that I see is that, uh, you know, people like yourself, uh, like uh, uh, Suzanne over at must read Alaska and Joel over at the Alaska Watchmen. Um, yeah. To a, to a much smaller extent, our effort here mm. um, yep. and, and, and other people I'm talking to who are starting to write things, even in the old fashioned paper form and hand that around to their neighbors and friends. And, creating small newsletters and publications and, you know, is that people are becoming involved and um, Bruce Walden, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, he started a full blown newspaper up in the Valley. Mm -hmm. I don't know how well it's doing. I haven't heard from him since he kind of started down the campaign trail, but um, you know, uh, it's an interesting phenomenon that as the social media silences and cancels us or people try to hack our sites like they did to yours Um, you know, is that it's through this persecution, it's actually making our movement stronger and bringing more sort of rank and file conservatives, community members, friends and neighbors to the table that where we had seeded the ground and just allowed, you know, basically narcissistic people to step into leadership positions and and control everything for a long time while we just complacently stayed home with our kids and went to bed you know, well, school and then, concerts yeah. and barbecues uh, and...
2: Uh, well, and not only that, we were watching on the the news, you know, the expose that someone's doing on the um, ballot box stuffing and that, and we were talking about how some of the, at one time, respected news people, you know, Sean Hannity and Laura Ingram. You know why didn't they pick on pick this up? I, I saw that everybody knew about Mark Zuckerberg's CTCL, I think is what it's called, organization and the four hundred million that he donated to it prior to the election. So we're now two years past, and all of a sudden, Sean Hannity, when some independent journalist has done all the work, and all all, all of a sudden it's a big deal. We should be resentful of that, that these were the people that we were supposed to, they told us that they were going to give us the real news. They told us they were going to follow stuff up. We believed them.
0: But like so many people who go to Juno with good intentions, once they get into that environment where everything is connected to something else, and then pretty soon they... they lose touch. They figure out what the barriers to access are and, and where their bread is buttered. They, they lose touch with their constituency with their home with their altruistic initial motives for going down there and you know so many people and 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 you can look at a lot of platforms and i saw your on your platform that um it looks like you have a a a monetization plan um or or some some links and things that you can access through your site don but uh you know, it's how do how do we strike a good balance where we monetize these platforms so that we can keep doing what we're doing and and get people pay people for the research that they're they're providing to help us do a better job in reporting things um, without selling out because you know that's that's one of the things I would say Fox has done mm-hmm. is Fox is a sold sellout out. they sold out they they know that they can push the envelope so far, but that there is a point at which they're going to start losing some of their more woke advertisers or people who are centrist. And, um, you know, how do we, how do we get better at networking and, and, and mobilizing, especially in this state? I mean, of all states, this should be the easiest state to do that. Cause there's so few of us.
1: Well, it's pretty tough to, to sell ads. I sold them a lot in previous publications and, um, you know, it's something where um, you have to you have to uh, accommodate what they're doing. I've I've written about three stories on restaurants and and I had one restaurant for a while. Um, but one of the things I think that's happening is um, our network is becoming stronger. When I went out and said I'd just been hacked, this young man came to my came to came out of the woodwork. He's a he's a cyber uh, cyber um, security expert. He went in and he found out exactly who did it, when they did it, and how they did yeah. it. And, and that's a that's a federal crime. And so I'm I'm putting my case together and and developing all this stuff right now. And and as it goes, I'm going to be stronger for it because I'm now going to be bulletproof when somebody else tries to come in and do that because. Somebody came forward and said, "Hey, I see what happened to you. I'll help you out, and don't worry about the money right now. We'll get this worked out, and then uh, we'll team up." And he's become a, a pretty good friend already, and and he's really a smart guy. So so Alaskans who have skills and abilities and see things that aren't right and and decide they're going to try and do something about it are able to do it if they got the if they got the fortitude. And, and that's kind of where I'm at I've had a terrible bunch of stuff happen to me but uh, I'm gonna be better for it and I'm still writing these stories and that must just be killing somebody <laughs> who's stuff. that's I the spirit well
0: what what are, are you at liberty to kind of tell us what happened in the hack
1: well let's see I was doing stories on Alaska food security right mm. um, I did a number of stories. On um, what we really need in Alaska food security, it's my belief that we don't really need uh, many grants for a bunch of people to learn how to plant gardens and raise chickens.
2: Oh, you mean um, you mean the whole high tunnel? Uh, you know, the whole high tunnel grant program that yeah everybody got high tunnels and went nowhere. Oh, okay. Yeah.
1: <laughs> you know, I I think what we need um, all across northern Canada they have they have large. Uh, agriculture land areas that ra- that are on 10, 20, 30, 50,000 acres. And they raise cattle. And they raise the feed for them. And they have slaughterhouses. And they're all able to feed the whole rest of Canada from the northern areas up here. And and we could do the same thing in Alaska, except the state of Alaska won't let go of the land. And so they call a farm um, uh, 300, 360 acres is a farm um, and so you get a whole bunch of people all with these little farms and they're all starving to death they sell the whole animal on the hook and then they they charge them to, to chop it up in a, in a, a place so what we really need is we need large tracts of land that if we had them today if the legislature provided them today we we wouldn't be able to get them into production for five to ten years but nobody's doing that. And it's created a, a big problem in that we pay something between two and $4 billion per year to ship food from Seattle. Seattle controls us. And and the day that we can provide that same food in Alaska, Seattle won't be able to control us anymore, but that's not going to change in know because Seattle beats Juneau really well. So, <laughs> I've written these, these articles, and one of the articles that I developed was um, with the owner of Mike's Meats, who, who owned um, uh, Mount McKinley Meats and Sausages. He owned that plant. He bought it from the state when the state was losing about a million bucks a year running it as a, a do-gooder thing for prisoners. He bought it. He made it profitable. He invested a bunch more money into it, and it was going pretty good, but he, there's no future if you can't get more cattle. He can't get enough cattle. There's not enough cattle in the state of Alaska to feed Alaska for more than a month. If we all, all of a sudden, didn't have our, our our Anchorage docks, if we had a break in our in the highway of went down, if we had so were somehow cut off, we would be in big trouble. And so he said, Don, I, I, as I've written three or four stories with him, Greg Julianus, He said, Don, he says I can't. I'm not making any money. I can't make this work. I'm going to put it up for sale. I said, oh, I know a guy that can sell free. He just sold the elk farm out in uh, Palmer. And um, so I introduced him to the fellow. And um, they were, they hit it off right away. And the guy got, and he gave him several listings. He gave him several listings for properties, commercial properties. Well, he went out and he found somebody that has wanted to buy the property all along. And he's a good guy. Nope. I'm not criticizing anybody, but he put together a deal, which was a, a sleazy deal. It was a lease option. So he he put the lease option together and he took it to Greg, but he didn't reveal that the lease option that he he put together was with a corporation that he owned 14% interest in. So he got a listing from somebody, he went out and got somebody else to buy it with him own. Uh, uh, owning 14% interest in it and took that offer to to Greg without telling him he had a financial interest in it. Okay, that's basic real estate I, law. That's I think that's law.
0: illegal. Mm.
1: Okay, so when that all happened, I, I let the, I, he knew I knew, and so he began the process mm. of trying to keep me from letting that be known, which just made me meaner. Made me made me want to say it more, and so we got into it back and forth on Facebook, and I'm tuning in for twenty thousand dollars. Now we'll see what happens, <laughs> but 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 uh, the fact is, um, sometimes when you're doing what I'm doing, you gotta you just gotta put on your slack jacket and know that if you're getting if you're getting flak, you must be over the target.
0: Yeah, you know it, it's interesting when we talk about egg uh, land in Alaska, and um, and the politics behind it, you know, it seems like the state has, you know, they've got these, these developments for ag land that, uh, they put in places that just make no sense. You know, there's, there's a huge, huge, uh, set aside of, of ag land that's out of Ninana, And I don't know if you've been to Ninana recently, but there's literally nothing in Nenana. Mm-hmm. There's no infrastructure there. I mean, the railroads there, but that's about it. And, and so, you know, um, uh, I had a company for a number of years where I represented peony farmers. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had a couple of farms that were out of Ninana. And the problem for the peony farmers in Ninana is that they're selling a fresh product yeah. that has to have a cold chain. Basically, uh, this this uh, if you imagine putting these flowers into a, a state of hibernation yeah they you know, have to stay cold they have to stay cold or they'll start to yeah. aspirate they'll breathe. breathe yeah and and I'm it's blue. their it's their death breath you yeah. know it's yeah. they breathe so many more times after you cut this cut their stems yeah. and then they're done yeah and um and so the colder you can keep them the longer you can store them and but it's critical that when you every time that you touch that flower and you move it from one place to another, that that cold chain is not broken. That yeah. that, and 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 even micro changes it has in to temperature stay the
2: same, yeah,
0: right, right. And yeah. so, so the biggest problem for those farmers there was their nearest FedEx <laughs> location was in yeah. Fairbanks. Well, that's a couple hours away, and without the infrastructure close reasonably close or mm-hmm. or local packing infrastructure to help you know because a lot of these farms and, yeah. and like like you're talking about don you know a lot of a lot of the the farming sort of the idea at the state level about farming has been you know people are going to be able to make a, a, a living and, and produce some kind of significant product on two or three acres which no. is just ridiculous yeah. Yeah. and That's- um you know you have to have infrastructure you go down to the midwest you go down to even washington and my my grandparents owned two farms they owned uh, a dairy farm in the willamette valley and a wheat farm over in eastern washington but you have built infrastructure within you know 15 minutes 20 minutes max from from wherever they're located and and infrastructure's all around you it's it's something that's been built over you know 100 years and and uh it's sort of this novelty uh, discussion that, you know, oh, it's very popular. Talk about food security and it is and all the, the fruits and nuts and people who are socially environmentally conscious, you know, the, the Ber- uh, we used to say the Birkenstock wearing bunch, but not uh, anymore. But now they wear yeah. extra tufts, uh, you know, and um, they're kind of like off road vehicles that never see mud. Yeah, um, you know the, yeah. the extra tough crowd uh, that that has with never- with the top
2: of the boot turned down. Yeah, with the I top, love that. Yeah. The top, top of, the boot, of the boot, it's all decorative, down. you know, yeah. inside. So yeah, yeah that's a real... Because they've never they've you.
0: never had to yeah. step in in knee deep <laughs> manure before. No, which I have had to do. Yeah, you know, but. Um, Uh, This disconnect from reality, you know, it's all very vogue and popular to talk about these things. But then it's all handed over to bureaucrats who, who wouldn't know uh,
2: who, who don't understand. Yeah, they, who, they, they have no understanding. No. And it's gonna turn into this this is this like I said, this Alaska Food Policy Council, this is the next one right for bureaucratization in which we need to hire another three or four thousand people to to run around and make stupid decisions like three hundred acres is big enough for a farm. No, no, no.
0: Yeah, you know yeah. The, the carrying capacity of our land oh, is much less. And when I say carrying capacity, the amount of land it takes to actually feed an animal up here versus, you know, Ohio or, you know, one of these Midwestern states. Well,
2: and it it varies, too. I know we lived in New Mexico, and they graze cattle. Some people graze cattle there. And, um, you know, you've got sometimes 40 acres a cow. 40 acres. Well, in New Mexico, I
0: I knew of one, one ranch is 20,000 acres. Yeah. And they didn't have an impressive herd, but that's what it took.
2: Yeah. Because you're, you're, when you're looking at 40 acres to graze one animal and you want to have a hundred, well, that's thousands of acres. Right, right. And you know, we're not looking at any of this. I think, you know, I think we think that we get people that move up here, just as you say, Don, and they they have great ideas and they want to live like they did out there, but uh, you know, in the lower 48, but just in Alaska, nicer trees and bigger animals, bigger bears and moose and, and that, and they don't have to dress up all the time. Less and, traffic. Uh, less traffic. Well, not necessarily in the summer. <laughs> but uh, you, 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 no one ever looks at what does it really take. It, it's, the bugbear for me is the high tunnel. This is just, I wanted to buy a high tunnel, and I tried three times over a period of years and you know I, I could buy one but the first thing they said to me well you know there's no money left in the program i went like you can't buy a high tunnel for cash i mean it's a lie and a lot it seems and this is what we've got we do not do anything we've lost that alaskan spirit in which unless there's a grant for it you know there's grants for fences in alaska <laughs> do you right. know that, that- we don't want to do anything to improve our, our, our state, our city, our property, unless there's money for it. Government money. Government money for it. And I'm not <laughs> understanding back, that. Getting back to the to the land issue, um,
1: I, I think that what we're talking about when we're talking about 10, 20, 30,000 acre plots, we're talking about something that if the land was available and could be um, purchased dollar for dollar, um with improvements by improvements. If you put in a million dollars worth of improvements, you get a million dollars yeah. worth yeah. of land. I believe that um that would attract the capital, that would build the kind of communities that you'd need in a place like Tom
2: Chatkin and uh, near Ninana. But you and, have to have and, you have to have people that understand that you need a twenty thousand acre farm. In government. In government. In government. Yeah, That's the, right. That's <laughs> right. And, and the legislature
1: doesn't seem to get it we sent a letter to everybody in the legislature and and they just blew it off we got some a little bit of a, a handshake but i gotta i gotta say that we just don't elect people that have much vision uh <laughs> once they get to juno they get circumvented into the ju- juno circus
0: the uh, last time uh, i, I worked thought the- i thought you were gonna say circumcised <laughs> <laughs> you know, they, no. they, 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 they get brought into the culture there. It's like uh, yeah. now this is going to be painful, but yeah. once you do this, you're one of us. Yeah.
2: Well, well right. and, and how do you do that though? How do you elect uh, you know you to paraphrase what you said earlier, what do you think should it, you know, we all talk and this is I talk too. I say to people I just have opinions. but I don't understand how you get solutions when Anchorage reelected. And this is just, the, the, you know, the symbol, you know, Anchorage just reelected everybody they said they didn't want to have in there, you know, we and i
0: exactly uh, y- S-
2: I believe that, say that, say elect- that
0: again, it broke up.
1: We get exactly the, elected the politicians we deserve. If Anchor yeah. wants to elect a number of people, nobody, nobody's going to the Anchor school district. They're down 70, they're at 70% occupancy in their hundred plus buildings. The, the whole thing is crumbling and the people that gotta be there gotta be there, but anybody that cares about their kids do not put their kid in the, in the Anchorage school district. It's just it's it's no place. And and that's statewide. We have 55 school districts whose total missions among all of them is to see how much money they can wring out of the state. It has nothing to do with education. They they want cheap teachers that they can fire easily and lots of administrators enjoy
2: the fat of the land that's what we got whoa so still what do you do with that i mean that's nice but you 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 write are you seeing uh, are you seeing uh more people you know okay so they've lost 25 percent of the school population or something what in two years i bet they'll go back
0: well, you know, that, when, that's what happens. But, it's, but I wonder what correlation there is between the statistic that Anchorage also lost around twenty-five percent of all their small businesses.
2: So you're yeah, saying they're right. staying home, educating their no, children, no, no, or no, they I'm, just I'm disappeared? Saying they, left. they left. They
0: left. They left the
2: state. Anchorage is in decline.
1: Anchorage is in decline as yeah. a place. Yeah. Um, the the dock, the, the Anchorage dock is a joke. Um, the, we should be using Whittier. We should be using Seward. Anchorage is has created this this place in the mud flats where they, they pretend to be uh, something that they aren't. And and the rest of the state has allowed that to happen and people are getting out of Anchorage as fast as they can. There's thirty thousand cars to go back and forth between Anchorage and the Matsu Valley every day. We have Whoa. all kinds of people <laughs> looking for ways
2: out. Sir, you said that thirty thousand cars.
1: Thirty thousand cars.
2: Then why aren't the businesses moving? Why aren't the businesses well, they, moving? Well they, they are when you,
0: when you look at the valley the valley's just exploding. I you know Maybe I that. I was in <laughs> I was in Wasilla uh, not too long ago.
2: Yeah.
0: In the evening during evening rush. Uh-huh. And it was worse than anything I've
2: ever experienced in Anchorage. Yeah. So I would if I was a business I'd move out to the Matsu Valley then because that's of a course. shorter commute. Right. Of course, I've done stories
1: on businesses during during COVID. I did stories on businesses that had um, had businesses in the valley and businesses in Eagle River and businesses in Anchorage, um, the Matanuska, um Matanuska Brewery, um, and and the difference between what he had to deal with in Anchorage and what he had to deal with in the valley is profound. And and I've written stories on the economy. Um, this has been my my wheelhouse i've been writing about what we are witnessing in alaska and and unless you're paying attention it's we're in the anchorage is in steep decline the valley is in picking up very quickly and and the and the kenai peninsula is picking up very quickly these areas are going to soon soon be able to get by without Anchorage if we if we find ways to do that,
0: the the problem, (laughs) the problem that that presents though, is that the people who are fleeing Anchorage are part of the problem. They are. They're they're, they're part of the people that came up in, you know, in the nineties and the eighties fleeing California and fleeing what was happening in, in, in uh, Portland and, and, and Seattle as Californians were moving North and, pushed out folks from, from there, and now we're seeing even more progressive people fleeing here from the COVID mandates. I have people coming to the shop every week. I call them the COVID refugees. Oh, no. And um, people from New Jersey, you know, people from from New York, people from, you know— these, And and they're uh, moving here to Chicago. live? Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're fleeing in droves. Yeah, but droves. Do, do they
2: even understand that we're not— anywhere near we're not going to have the services and this this is the thing that terrifies me well is they're going to want them no and that's what happens and i said this to someone the other day and i'm seeing it in the little subdivision i live th- 33 miles outside of soldatna and my subdivision has seen more development in the last eight months than it saw in the prior 30 years
0: well you still have viking villages out there don't I you? i guess i don't know
2: <laughs> She
0: lives in mm. Nikiski, which uh, is where I grew up. And Way it, it outside of Nikiski has, it has, a, has yeah. a tarnished sort of uh, yeah. reputation, and mm. that's that's perpetuated mm. by the locals to keep people out. Well, you know, because but, it's it is probably the golden gem. Oh, it's of it's, the it's beautiful,
2: but they're moving in from places like Oklahoma, Illinois, and I'm going. You know, they're and they're doing. When you watch how they're clearing their property, they're doing these really stupid things that you can tell. they're not understanding what it takes to they're, live here. They're clear cutting. They, well, no, they're not. <laughs> they're, they're just they're assuming somebody else is going to come deal with them oh, yeah. when they have a problem. and then the next thing we're gonna know is going to get street lights and uh, you know s- traffic signals and paved roads which I don't want. Garbage pickup, you know. I don't want any of that. I want to leave me alone. Yeah, let and me let me
0: burn my trash in my barrel and no, don't drive I, I, down my cul-de-sac.
2: Well, I don't want to burn it in my barrel, but I just don't it want was one of my all favorite
0: the, one of my favorite things as a kid was oh, I don't, sitting don't, there and burning the really? the, the plastic and oh, watching see, we, it, you know, make yeah. the drip and the funny noise that's you know good.
2: now that's got to be like an older alaska thing a burn barrel because i know a couple people that love burn barrels i, I love it no. man
0: it, no. all except for the I time that my boy. sister my sister <laughs> threw an aerosol can away oh no it, blew and up. it went in there and i was standing next to the barrel <laughs> oh no and i didn't have the grate on top that that would catch the <sighs> yeah. you know all the stuff and i was sitting there you know playing with this plastic dripping plastic into the into the barrel and that aerosol can went off, and I found myself flat on my belly on the ground with burning trash falling out of the sky all around me. <laughs> <laughs> Every child needs to experience that at least once.
2: So uh, I, I don't want to, you tell, those, you tell those people from New Jersey to go away. <laughs> go home. Because they're, not, they're, are, they're, they're oh, not bringing good attitudes, I'll tell you that.
1: There are these trust, these trust babies that can go anywhere in the world and do And live anywhere they want to. I saw it in Haynes. I talked, I talked sixth grade in Haynes and there's quite a few people that go there. That's the most, that valley there is just absolutely fantastic. And, um, um, there's a lot of people that are coming to Alaska and they're, and they're looking forward to the day when they don't have to pay for any government because the permanent fund pays for it. And they don't care if they ever get anything from the permanent fund. They just, just want to be able to impose their, um, Way of looking at things on everybody
0: else. So, so I take it you're not a big fan of a sovereign wealth fund.
1: I am in favor of the permanent fund. I think the permanent fund was established for the right reasons, and I had conversations directly with Jay Hammond about it, and also uh, my best friend in Juneau is Hugh Malone. He was Speaker of the House when it passed. I've written a number of stories on the permanent fund, and we
0: well, wait, what, what not- I'm what I'm referring to is is this this progression where we're moving further and further away from the statutory formula and one in which the government gets a bigger and bigger interest and in control and stake in, in what happens to that money, and we only get whatever they decide to give us after they've uh, taken every single bite they can from that. And, and that uh, they, they are projecting this idea. Now, I heard Senator Mike Schauer... And uh, uh, he had a uh, his chief staff. I can't remember his, the gentleman's last name was Terence, and they were all very excited about the POMV, mm-hmm. um, and they were talking very excitedly about um, uh, how Norway does things. Yeah. Well, yeah. Norway has got a tax rate of like seventy percent, but they also have this 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 PO, this uh, sovereign wealth fund that's grown at such a, a rapid rate that. Their government has also kept pace with the growth of the fund to where, you know, everything's provided. But uh, it still needs to be underpinned by tax dollars.
2: No, and they have a huge oil industry still that they've developed all along. Right, right. We're talking about one pipeline that they built in the '70s and not too many other major developments and in it, Alaska. Well, and when,
0: when I talked with I talked when I talked with uh, with Terrence, the, the chief staff for Mike. A shower. He he stated that uh, you know if if all Alaskans would just uh, I think it, and I don't want to misstate things, but this was the gist of the conversation that if we would just refrain, if we would agree to refrain from collecting our PFD for a period of time. I think it was five years, but I don't want to misquote him. But for a period of time, and and we trusted <laughs> the, the government to put that into this new formula. And this new this new uh, fund mechanism, then by the time we had uh, ten years under our belt or fifteen years, um, all of our children would be able to basically have standardized income. They would be able to get you know fifty thousand dollar PFDs. So is this
2: man delusional?
0: Well, no, he he sits on a native uh, native uh, corporation board, and he's very smart um, uh, smart fi- financial guy. And but but see, the problem is is that he's in a position where he can impact policy in a way that um, you know. Now maybe his maybe his uh, motives are pure and altruistic, no, and you know, I no. don't I don't want to besmirch him because he was a he was a nice guy.
2: Well, you can be nice, but.
0: You know, not very, but but the bottom line is, and and I told this to Burt Cottle and uh, then attorney, city attorney Bill Walker, when they were in in Valdez. They wanted to do something similar with money that they had collected for their so called rainy day fund. Yeah. Where they were, it was part of the money that they were uh, taxing for tonnage of tankers coming in and out of Valdez. And then also the the, like 20%. or the 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 mill rate of twenty, I think, uh, was what they had, twenty or twenty-one, and um, and they were going to give us this energy subsidy, but then they started having this conversation about how all of us plebes would would probably spend it on, yeah, on we, frivolous much. things, you but, know.
2: But but to go back to this Mike showers. Does the man not understand that? I mean, I've looked at not recently, but what the composition of the permanent fund is. It's got a, it's got a bunch of different investments. It's Got some land. It's a lot of it's in the stock market. He, you well, do wanted, understand. They wanted
0: to reinvest rather than, than give the people the money. Yeah, they wanted reinvest to reinvest it again and and compound the the earnings because it wouldn't be being paid I, out I, to I, us. I understand that, but you the know. stock
2: market goes down. Right. I've been through two housing crashes. Right. I, my, the first the second house I ever owned, I had an 18% mortgage. 18, one eight not 1.8, right. 18% mortgage. So I'm not under, this is where my cynicism comes from is these people are looking at a point in time and saying life is never going to change. IBM. Does anybody know what IBM used to make at one time? Not much anymore. <laughs> you know. Typewriter. Go ahead, uh, Don.
0: Selected typewriters. IBM made the selected typewriter. Yeah.
2: You have How many do you have?
1: <laughs> I had one. I got one for a
2: graduation. Present. But how many do, do you graduated? have now? How many? None.
0: <laughs> I, I got a. I got an IBM ThinkPad. It yeah. Was, it was a business class but, but, uh, uh, laptop, but now they're owned by Lenovo.
2: But you can do all that with anything, and that's the right. trouble with these, these dumb analysis. You need to look up Alberta. The province of Alberta had something called the Heritage Fund, right. and it was a sovereign wealth fund, and it did well until somebody, the, the, the composition changed, the people that put it in were no longer in government, and somebody said, hey, there's some billions of dollars sitting over there. We can do all kinds of things, and they did. You go look at how much they have now. And that's all it's going to take. You know, is what, there's 70 is there 75 80 billion in the permanent fund the, yeah. the the principal that is 10 years of abuse by our you know our budget the Alaska budget is something like 15 billion. Yep. 15 billion. That's that's 70 billion in the permanent fund is only 10 years.
0: I, I need a sound a soundbite of, of Trump saying billions and billions, billions. you know, because all I've come got on, right man. now is that one,
2: you know. But but this is what's <laughs> wrong with all these people that want to touch it. And I, when it went in, they never thought Jay Hammond never thought that he would get politicians that would look at it as a cash cow. And that's what Bill Walker did. And he went and he had it changed. Oh, did
0: you know he's running
1: oh, again? I think he did. I think he did think that politicians would look at it as a cash cow. Uh, Jay Hammond believed that uh, the permanent fund dividend would make it to where Alaskans would fight for the dividend uh, against politicians who thought it was a cash but cow.
2: But they're not if, fighting hard enough. Well, well, here's here's what, it,
0: what I perceive. Okay. I perceive that they are fighting. But what it is, is you have a well armed ah yes a well armed opponent in the public employees union. The bureaucrats. And so when thirty three percent of the state is employed by the state. Yep. And they argue that the government needs to have access to the PFD, what they're really saying to the rest of us is is you're not lucky enough to have a state job, exactly. like me. Yep, and I'm very important, don't you see? I provide Everything. services and and uh, necessities that um, <laughs> that the rest of you uh, uh, folks out there who are uh, non-essential. You know, we heard the rise of this term non-essential. Well, 33% of us are essential because we didn't get a pay cut. We got to go home, work from home. Work from
2: home. Uh, We really
0: don't want to go back to work if you just keep paying us. And oh, by the way, in addition to that, the way you're going to pay for it is we're going to take more money out of your pockets because we deserve your PFD and you don't. And that's what we're fighting against is we're fighting against a bloated bureaucracy, a bloated government where a majority, the biggest industry in Alaska is government. Mm-hmm.
2: And that's what Don says. You know, it's, it's how, how do you fight sure. that, again, when these are our cousins, our aunts, our uncles, our neighbors that we really like, and and they're benefiting from it. from it. Uh, it's, that's last, hard to cut that off.
1: My last story on this was on March 11th, and it's called Alaskans Demand Payment, and I interviewed um, the minority leader, Tom Begish. And, and he talked about, um, and he, he tries to play it both ways. I think you would find it very interesting if you get a chance. It's called Alaskans Demand Payment. Um, I've interviewed many legislators, and uh, my stories are all oriented toward um, what, how can we solve problems and getting people on the record for where they say they're at so that as, as this changes, we can say, well, isn't that interesting how they've changed? I wonder what caused that.
0: Well, Don, uh, we are about 14 minutes past the most powerful hour that uh, you'll have probably this week. And uh, we want to thank you for coming on to the show. Um, If people want to uh, sign up or tune in to your uh, blog, how do they do that? It's Don
1: Liston, two ends on the Don, D-O-N-N-L-I-S-T-O-N dot
0: C-O. Don Liston, give that to us one more time.
1: Don Liston, all one word, two in on the Don, D O N N L I S T O N. dot C-O, Don Liston Company.
0: And you are accepting uh, monetization, so if people want to advertise on your platform, they can do that?
1: Yes, and I'd like to get more ads out of uh, Kenai. I'd like to really build a base in Kenai. Um, and uh, I'm going to be coming back there more often. I, I really see that's a good place to be. Anybody that wants to send me an email, my email is Don, D O N N, at DonMiston.net,
0: DonMiston.net. All right, Don, thank you very much for joining us today. You've been listening to the Ammo Can Coffee Social Club, Conservative, Hour of Power, and Enlightenment Salon. Uh, thank you for joining us. Please like and share this uh, on all of your social media platforms. Encourage people to be part of the solution and not part of the problem. Have a great day, guys. God bless. Thank you. Thanks.